Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is my brother-in-law, Alex. Now, Alex is a hardcore fisherman. Like, that's that's what he lives for. I think, I think if he couldn't fish, you might as well take him off this earth. Every time I'm over there hanging out or I, I stop by, he is getting his boat ready. He's messing with his motor. He's getting all the gear in or out of the boat, depending on if he's about to head out to fish or just getting back from fishing. And, uh, yeah, he married my sister a few years back. And one of the first things that I had to find out was like, dude, do you hunt and fish? And he's like, man, fishing's where it's at. So anyways, not that you, you all needed to know that, but we're sitting across from the table from each other for this one. So I'm pumped to be in house with Alex and we're going to talk all about the Wisconsin fishing opportunities and what he's been up to lately. Let's jump in. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, welcome to today's show, and I am back in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, man, this is going from Florida to... Missouri to Wisconsin. I feel like the opposite of a snowbird right now. But I'm hanging out here with my brother-in-law, Alex. What's up, fellas? And Alex, he, he's he been fishing for a long time. And every time I talk to him, he's like, dude, I'm going fishing. In fact, tomorrow, you're going fishing. Taking out some walleyes. Yeah. Uh, all the lakes, are they open up right now? Or are you doing ice fishing? Well, we're uh, going to be on the Mississippi River. That's pretty much where it's only legal to keep the walleye. Um, there are, there's still a lot of ice out there. Some not so safe, others safe. Kind of hit and miss on uh, late ice. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm pumped to one hear how you do tomorrow, but to jump into this conversation and hear about all your fishing exploits because we've fished together one time. Um, but every time I talk to you, you're like, man, me and your sister went out fishing and, you know, she caught this, I caught this and just kept going. And I, I mean, I, I miss coming back up for ice fishing cause I grew up ice fishing. I mean, I grew up walleye and pike and muskie and I, I just don't do a whole lot of that down in Missouri now. So why don't you start out by sharing with the listeners how you got into fishing in the outdoors? Real simple. I got into it from my dad. He grew up fishing and. <clears throat> would tell me all kinds of stories uh, when he was a kid. And it just kind of went from there. Started out with the Zepco 33 Classic push-button reel and a rod that could wheel, reel in a, a shark, or a rod that could reel in a shark. Uh, and went from there. Uh, it's kind of my kind of my thing. So, yeah, Dad and I did a lot of fishing. What Was there a specific thing that he would go after, or was it like, hey, we're going to try to catch this species in the morning, this species during the day. Um, or was it kind of like, Hey, whatever we catch, we're, we're catching. Yeah, it was pretty much whatever we catch we're catching. It wasn't, uh, we weren't skilled enough to, to really hone in our, our craft, but we did do a lot of, uh, a lot of pan fishing. That was a lot of fun. We get up to Lake Shatek. Um, and once we found a couple of spots, we really dialed it in. And the spring fishing was insane, just ripping lips constantly. Yeah, that's sweet. I I remember going out. I mean, it was only a weekend thing for us, um, just whenever my dad had off work. And we would go out, and it was like, man, this spot's good for Wally. This spot's good for Pike. We didn't really do <clears throat> a ton of pan, pan fishing. And I don't know why. I mean, there's amazing crappie and bluegill and, and sunfish and all kinds of different things up here. But we just never really got into it. I don't know if it was like the fight that he liked out of the walleye and the pike and the muskie or what. I fished with your dad, and he he loves the bigger fish. I think he likes the fight of them. Panfish are easier to catch. Yeah. Um, 
as a whole. Uh, and you can catch them year-round. Um, you don't really have a lot of laws aside from the bag limit on them. Yeah. So uh, with walleye, you have they're pretty heavily regulated. regulated. And then you have your bass and whatnot. They're fun to catch, don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, for kids, it's easier to go for panfish. Uh, but when you kind of dial it in, you know, and you, you kind of figure out your spots that you like, I mean, everyone's got their spot or two, and it's just how it works. It's, oh, man, there's nothing better. Man, there's there's guys down in Missouri that are diehard uh, crappie fishermen. I mean, like, that is what they live for. It doesn't matter what time of year it is, they're looking forward to it when crappie really gets good and I look at, I mean, dude, the, the coolers that they fill to the top with these things. I'm like, I, I guess, I mean, I've eaten crappie, but I've never been like, man, I want to go catch some crappie to cook it up. But these guys are sold out. Crappie are some of the bigger size, uh, pan fish, at least up in this area. I've never fished in Missouri, but, um, yeah, they're definitely fun. Um, yeah, I guess, I think uh, crappie are a little more finicky than the rest of the uh, panfish. Um, and so, like, when we go fishing for walleye, uh, we're typically fishing a foot or two above where, or I'm sorry, below where the uh, crappie are at. And so we'll pick up crappie while we're walleye fishing. So kind of, for us anyways, it just goes hand in hand, and we just troll just uh, a floating pink and, and white uh, jig head and, uh, uh, bullet weight sinker, and we're doing about less than a mile an hour. We find a ridge and we hit it. So I mean, that's that's what you do, kind of right now, or when the when the ice is thawed. What what's the strategy? I mean, when you go ice fishing, you've got to kind of know the lake before you go out there. All structure, it's, yeah. or structure, so, or the contour. That's a big one. So you have your spots on the lake that you know, like, hey, I'm gonna go cut a hole here, cut a series of holes here. And um, I, I've always thought that was kind of funny, like when people travel to ice fish. I'm like, they, these have to be lakes that they've fished before. Otherwise. Or word of mouth. Yeah. I mean, you can look at a contour map. A lot of these, this electronics uh, that's out there, like I have only really used Hummingbird, but their maps chip is, is amazing. And it's on some of the lakes, it shows you every nook and cranny. It'll show you where the the structure's at, where the cribs are at, the main channel flow. I mean, it's endless. And so you can come up with a come up with a pretty good plan as to where you want to try. It's always, it's still only trying when you're ice fishing. I mean, especially when the wind's kicking, it's 20 miles, you know, 20, uh, 20 below zero. I mean, it's cold. It's real mm -hmm. cold. And we like the whole hop because then we're able to find the fish, chase the fish. Um, once we kind of have a spot set up that we like, depending on weather and and the depth and you know all the other things that go into it we just do the vexlar or actually markham's what we use and just our flashers and just see what happens but it is so much fun like you'll you'll start jigging at the bottom you'll see the fish and you'll jig up and jig up and it'll you just slowly raise up a little bit and then you stop and you just let it drop uh, just a little bit and you jig just a little more and wham that fish is on it and it is there's nothing better there really yeah. isn't. Do you do you only do rod fishing when you're ice fishing, or do you do tip ups and tip ups and tip downs too? Okay, cool. It kind of depends. Like if it's real windy, it's hard to do tip downs. It's really hard. They won't stay up. Um, tip ups aren't too bad uh, when it's real windy, but you're constantly going out and clearing the holes. Yep. And if it's cold, that sucks. But when you get a nice sunny day, uh, my wife caught a. Uh, a 22 and a half inch largemouth through the ice on a tip up. Uh, we had a shiner on it. I still wish I'd have mounted it. That thing was monstrous, cutting eight inch holes, and I had to close the fish's mouth to get him out of the ice. <laughs> That's awesome. It was amazing. And she was just, she was beside herself. She didn't know what to do. She'd never caught a fish that size. Did you get a picture of it? Yeah, we got pictures. Yeah. Dude, you can, you know, the there's plenty of taxidermy places now. That you actually just send the picture of the fish in and the measurements on it. You can tell them the weight, the length, and then the picture. And they will do a perfect replica of the fish. I only have the length. I have no other measurements. I don't have the weight. And the picture is, uh, we'll say, less than good. Oh, okay. So I, I can't really say for sure out loud that she 
got that kind of big fish because she certainly showed me up that day. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It, it really was. Tip downs, too, when the tip down is just starting to go down a little bit and you can see it, um, you go over there and you wait and you wait and you wait and then you set the hook. And sometimes you set it too soon, sometimes you don't. Ah, oh, awesome. I, I've been seeing a lot more in, I think the way that social media works is if you watch like a full video of something, like they'll start showing you more that are similar to that or in the same category. And uh, I've been watching a lot of the ice fishing videos that pop up lately and uh, the pike spearing and the sturgeon, sturgeon spearing. I actually videos. just found out about that. We go up for a week um, on the triple flowage up by Hayward every year. And on the reservation, the natives can uh, spear. Yeah. And so there's spear sacks set up all over the place. And we actually have to go inside one and check it out and see, like, what was in there. And there's this giant hole cut in the ice. And they have a fake fish down there. Uh -huh. It's a, like a wood fish or plastic fish. And the whatever comes swimming by, and they just drop their spear. These things are huge, man. They're like pitchforks. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we say spear. It's like it's like a trident. Or, oh, oh, more than that. Yeah. yeah. I think there's six... Six um six prongs and each one of them is barbed. Yeah, yeah. And then they fight. And even when you try and get them up, they fight. It. It's a two man job to get them up. Yep. Yeah, I was. It. It was really cool. I watched a documentary years ago, and it was called The Frozen Chosen, and I think it was on Netflix. But they documented uh, the spear fishing season on Lake Winnebago. and they do it every year for sturgeon, and it is a giant deal in that area. And I'm like, dude, how did I grow up in Wisconsin and never know about this? No kidding. But they've got very specific limits on it, and um, there's fish. I mean, these guys will go out, and I don't remember offhand how long the season is. I want to say it's a pretty a couple weeks long. Yeah, it's not long. And they will sit, they will sit every hour of the day that is legal to sit and just wait and mm -hmm. wait and wait and. There's people who do it, and they don't have a single opportunity for, like, six straight years. And then there's guys that, like, by day two, they spear one of the biggest ones that anybody gets that yeah. year. And they've got their areas set up. They've got their family stuff. Like, one family will hold down a whole area of a lake or of the lake, and there's, like, polka music that they play all the time. <laughs> like, on the radio, that's all they listen to in their, in their shanties and uh, I, dude, I've got to get over there and experience that at some point. Cause I'm I, like, that would be so much fun. I've never done it, but I saw it and we, we didn't have any fish come by, but it was just nice to see, you know, what's done in there. And you brought up the, the laws and whatnot. So different lakes in Wisconsin have different laws, different regulations. <clears throat> and I'm noticing that some of the lakes that we fish regularly, like, uh, Lake Altoona, it's fished really, really hard year round. Um, there's a two day ice fishing tournament on it every year and it just gets pounded all the time. And so the, the quantity of fish is there, but the quality has drastically dropped for when I was a kid and even the, the clarity of it has changed. Um, now granted it is river fed, but you know, I mean, it's, it's really been beat up. And so I'm noticing that some of the locals will do different things to, um, to help with that population, you know, they'll report guys that are poaching, uh, they'll re report all kinds of different things. And so I'm, I'm actually, it's kind of frustrating when you catch a fish and you're like, Oh, that'd be really nice to take home. But on the other end, put it back. So it'll get bigger, mm -hmm. create more fish. Um, yeah, I think, uh, those regulations are really put in place to help the fisheries not hurt them. It's, you know, it depends on the fisherman you talk to, but it makes sense. Yeah. I, I was talking to somebody in Missouri when I first moved down there for college and I was like, man, fishing season's going to open up soon. And they're like, fishing season, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, there are certain times of year that like you can keep fish, different species, you know, they're like, what do you, dude, you're crazy. Like there's no such thing as a fishing season. And I'm like, dude, there are parts of the year when you can keep fish. And they're like, no, there is not. Like, fishing is fishing. You can go do it whenever you want. And I'm like, okay. 
whatever. Maybe it's different down here in Missouri, but but I remember like catching certain fish and as a kid, my dad being like, Hey, we can't keep this. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, it doesn't fall in the slot limit. And I was like, I just caught this fish. Like I pulled it out of the water. I convinced it to bite onto this hook. This is my fish. <laughs> Did you really convince it though? Oh, well, I mean, I, <laughs> I think it was just real hungry, but I'm like, this is like, I caught this fish. This is my fish. And he's like, Nope, it's going back. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. This is insane. But it makes sense. I mean, like the, the DNR, they, they know what they're doing. They do the studies. They figure out, you know, what the what the best size for reproduction is or, you know, the, the amount that they can take at a certain size that won't affect the population too greatly. And so um, that's one thing that people need to understand. Like when you go fish different places, it might not be like your home pond where you can fish all year long and you can keep whatever, whatever you, you want, want or yeah. throw whatever you want back. If you go to a new place, regardless of what the regulations are where you live, like just make sure you check. It's nice in Wisconsin. Like they'll have uh, at the boat landings, public boat launches, they have it's posted. Yep. The invasive species, the walleye slot limit, uh, if there is one, um, all of them. You know, I mean, you don't see really too many trout in these lakes, but um, there's different uh, regulations for those, of course. And, so it's kind of nice that in Wisconsin anyway, like it's posted. To, it's a yellow sign, black writing. You can't miss it. Yeah. And so because there are lakes that I've gone to that I don't know. And I've had to drive back to the boat landing just to go take a look at the sign because I didn't have my reg book with me or whatever. And I don't want to find out the hard way. Oh, yeah. That would be that'd be rough. I mean, I've heard of people getting stopped and they check and they, they measure the fish. And I'm like, dude, that would – I just can't imagine doing something – not by the book and then losing the right to do it because you mess up one time or you do, you, you make a bad judgment call and you're like, ah, oh, I'm not going to get stopped. They don't make fish stretchers. No. It, yeah. You don't just don't mess with it. Like it's not play it that. by the book and there's plenty of fish out there. Like go find the one that's the right one to keep. That's right. I mean, it's pretty simple. Yeah. When, uh, so as a kid, you, you started fishing with your dad. How did it progress from there? Cause now, I mean, I would say, Gosh, 50% of our conversations kind of have to do with fishing. Yeah. So the, uh, like when I'd, I'd beg dad to go fishing, he'd be working a long, a long stretch of whatever he was doing, you know, for his job. And I beg him to go fishing. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And I got it. I got to the point to where I actually enjoyed setting up the rods and the bait and the boat and making sure everything was organized and we had everything to, to go. I just really enjoyed it because it had to do with fishing. Um, and so dad would hook up the boat and off we'd go. And, uh, I could tell stories for years on all the different things that have happened. But, uh, I remember one specific time. I don't remember what lake we were on. We were in Wisconsin and the wind was bad. And I would give dad shit about not being able to keep the boat where he's supposed to because I knew it annoyed him. <laughs> And that so, doesn't sound like you at all, never, man, pushing never. people's buttons. No, heck no. <laughs> so uh, the cleats on the boat, uh, my dad's uh, rod slipped under the cleat on the boat. Well, we are bobber fishing. Bobber goes down. He grabs a rod, pulls back, snaps it in two. Ooh. So, of course, me not pushing anyone's buttons, just go to town on him. <laughs> picking on him, picking on him. 20 minutes later, I do the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, we had so much fun. We caught so many fish. Um, it, uh, I think the best part of it in general was not only spending time with dad, but just the sun and being outside and, and just the experience of it all. Um, when we'd go like to Shatak, because it's such a large lake, there's a, it's a chain of lakes. I think there's three or four that are connected, and they're not small. And so we kind of have to use different techniques, different equipment. Um, so we use these mini mites, and we tip it with a, I don't remember if we used a minnow or a worm, and we cast it out. We just let it fall to the bottom. We, you know, jig it up once or twice. Boom, there's a crappie. We're only about seven seven and a half, maybe eight feet of water, but it was an all sandy bottom. It was in the, during the spawn. Um, lots of crappies that way. 
But tomorrow we're going to be using uh, a Fenwick. Um, I think it's a six foot, six foot nine. Um, medium action, medium light actually, fast tip. Um, and we're just going to vertical jig because the current is going to be real heavy. I'm fishing with about an ounce jig head. And I'm probably going to have maybe another half an ounce in a bullet weight on it so we can get it to the bottom. So we're going to the Mississippi by Lock and Dam. Yep. And so... It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, it's. I love. I've always loved the diversity in fishing that you can get around here. There's, I mean, you can fish so many different types of habitat, so many different types of lakes. I mean, you've got the big lake fishing. If you go north, if you go all the way to the east side of the state, um, you've got small lake fishing. You've got rivers. You've got. Big rivers. Huge. I mean, you've got the Mississippi, mm-hmm. and I mean, you're talking like there are spots where that sucker is wide and fast moving. And if you can get up close to the dam, you can find some monster fish. Oh yeah. And then you've got small streams that have that have uh, trout in them. Mm-hmm. I remember, dude. I didn't even know what a trout was. Like I was, I was. Well, it would have had to be between kindergarten and fifth grade because that's the only time I lived in that area. But we would go to a bridge, and we would just fish off of the bridge. It was I used to live by that bridge. Right That's a Class B trout stream. Yeah, right down. Yeah. I mean, we're what five miles from it yeah. right now, yeah. and we would stand up there and we would just toss a line out there with you know I don't I couldn't tell you what we were using at the time, and we'd be bringing in trout, and I'm like, this is the coolest thing, and now looking back on it, I'm like, dude, that was an amazing trout stream. Like we really did well on that until I, I want to say your wife hooked our sister Becky on a back cast one time, <laughs> just caught her in the cheek. And we're talking a tiny, tiny little hook, but it caught her enough to where it ruined everybody's day fishing. <laughs> so no, I love, I do love the diversity of fishing here. And I mean, you can get into great bass fishing and great, get into great pan fishing. And I know guys that do nothing but musky fish. And I mean, they're fishing for, Big boys. Oh, yeah. They so, call that the fish of, what, 10,000 casts or something like that? I yeah. mean, it's, yeah, I've talked to some musky fishermen, and, like, you, like they're ch- even using live bait, they're chubs. They're, like, 15, 20 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, some of, the, some of the lures that they're using for those things are bigger than most fish that people catch. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, we've, we've seen them take out in, I can't tell you if it was a pike or a muskie, but we've been fishing at different lakes up here, and in the in the spring and summer when there's uh, goslings and and ducklings swimming around, it's not uncommon to you know get back in a cove. You see a mallard with a bunch of ducklings swimming around, and all of a sudden there's a splash, and there's one less duckling. Oh yeah, I mean they will. You can throw you can throw mouse like bait yeah. out there and pull it over the top. You can put literally just what looks like. <laughs> Imagine taking a peep off of, oh, yeah. like, out of an Easter oh, candy yeah, snack yeah. and throwing it out there and pulling it back. They'll come and hammer that thing. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. I think uh, I've never done any musky fishing at all. Um, I caught one by mistake one time, put it back. Um, but that's, that's I don't know. It's it, I want to catch more fish. Maybe it's an instant gratification. Uh, but I, I want to catch more fish. I guess steps on that, trying to get him into more fishing. I mean, you get a kid hooked on fishing, you're not going to have enough money for drugs or alcohol. Yep. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, that's kind of a big thing. And it's to get, I think to get, the other thing as a kid, it didn't cost very much to get into fishing. I needed a hook, line, sinker, a couple of bobbers, uh, a crap reel, and a crap rod, and go. Yep. That's it. I mean, it was super, super easy to get to. And we lived right by the uh, Eau Claire River, so I could ride my bike down there. Um, and we just fish. Have you have you gotten into different types of fishing over the years? Or did you kind of start out with one and, and stick with it? Have you tried, like, fly fishing at all? Uh, no, I haven't gotten into fly fishing. Um, it, it's been, you know, the, the open-faced reel... Uh, you know, the spin cast reel, spin cast rod. Um, that's it. I mean, the rest of it, I think, is too specific for me. I like the diversity yeah. of what I'm into. What I have gotten into more, though, 
is definitely the different species, learning how to target them and what to look for. I got a buddy of mine, I mean, and this guy can catch fish in the desert. And I've learned so much from him over the years. And he's really got me into walleye fishing and how to do it and the, and the equipment and the tackle um, and what to look for in the bottom. I mean, that's a, that's a big part. You don't have yeah. to have the best equipment or tackle. If you can find them, you can find them. Yep. Yeah, and it, it, and especially different parts of the year. I mean, exactly. You get into certain parts of the year, and those fish are going to hit anything, anything that gets close to absolutely. Them. And uh, there, there's so much science and so much information that goes into like really honing in the skill of fishing. That I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't have time to figure all that out. Like, I just need to go with people who know what they're doing. That's kind of what I did. I ride in his coattails a lot. Like, oh yeah. What do you? What do I need to buy? Yeah, I'm like, dude, if I went out there and had to figure this out by trial and error, like, I would starve. Like, I'm not going to eat fish ever again, you know? <laughs> like, I know enough now because I grew up around it, but but I talk to people, and they're just like, man, based on the based on the temperature, the cloud cover, the barometric pressure, the wind direction, um, you know, any current that you have in the water, uh, the time of year, and what, what algae is blooming, or what the sea, what the... Uh, weeds are doing at the bottom and I'm just like what like you change every little thing up and I always get overwhelmed by information I'm like dude that's too much information for me I want to go out and enjoy myself obviously I would like to catch more fish but if I can only do a certain thing at a certain day because of the certain uh, weather conditions it's going to be annoying to me and I'm going to lose my desire to do it I agree I agree I think um, a lot of it is just simply paying attention you know to what to what's going on around you you know if you're if like tomorrow when we go fishing we'll pay attention to you know are the other guys lures are they a brighter color or darker color you can see that from a distance yeah are they constantly pulling in uh, a fish or not and because we have that lake master chip um you know we can kind of scroll over to roughly where they're at and see their depth and are they only in that area or is there other depths in in and around us that we can fish that um if it's overcast and you're always catching fish, well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really get into the in-depth as you do, but I don't do it for a living either. And there's sometimes I'll go out and I'll take my wife out. I know we're not going to catch much. I don't care. Yeah. I just want to be out. My dad always said a, a bad day fishing will always beat a good day at work. Oh, absolutely. And I, I've yet to find it otherwise. otherwise. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way with hunting. Like if if there's good fishing going on, I'll get out and go fishing. Um, and like, especially in the summer, there's not a whole lot of hunting activity going on in the summer. I can do food plot prep. I can, I can be putting out trail cameras and watch bucks grow in velvet, but for the most part, there's not a whole lot going on. And so that's when I get out and fish a lot in the winter. The problem is we just don't have, we don't have the ice in Missouri. Like yeah, yeah. it's very rare in my part of the country to have a nice uh, enough ice to even walk on. And so like the ice fishing is non-existent, but you'll get enough ice like built up on the side to make fishing very inconvenient. You know, uh, like yeah. you got to cast out over it or, yeah. or there's little pockets of it here and there. And it just drives me crazy. But sometimes even having like a little John boat with a little 9.9 .9 horse motor just to get you past it on a small lake. I mean, I remember going up to my grandparents cabin as a kid and they, it, it, I think it was a, 4.4 horse or I don't know it was nothing bigger than a than a seven horse motor on this boat that leaked aluminum and that was the first thing we wanted done was grandpa will you please set up the boat and we could go out in this little bay and we could be out there all day long if we wanted to we couldn't leave that bay take your life jacket your bait you got everything good and I mean that's all it took that was all it took and I loved every second of it because I had that freedom to just grab I'm going fishing and go and yeah. so it was uh, those moments, those times, that, that was a lot of fun. I mean, we really didn't catch much, but it was still real nice to to get out there. It's a small lake, just a spring-fed lake, and nobody ever restocked it or did anything. Um, what's nice where we live now, there's a small lake, oh, boy, maybe an acre or two, and they stocked it a couple years of trout. And this is the first time I actually fished fish trout. 
and they fight and jump out of the water like a bass. Yeah. I never, I'd never really done it. And so we'd go down there when I don't feel like dragging the boat anywhere, sit on the bank, have a can of pop, have some worms and just cast it out and bring in some fish. And it was, it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to learn new techniques or new ways of fishing or or hunting or really anything and i have found social media is so addicting when it comes to like new things in the outdoors because i see other people doing them and i'm like this is one of the coolest things i've ever seen i know i watched the other day i want to say it was on instagram it was these guys and they they were sight fishing for trout so like you know you get up to the you get up to the bank you look around you find the trout well instead of like fly fishing or casting or really doing anything they were taking real long poles and it could have been their fly rods. I don't, I, it didn't really show that in depth, but they would take whatever fly that they had tied and they would just put it out over the bank and hang it above the water and out of the water. And they had a slow motion camera set up and they would catch these trout that were coming and jumping out and grabbing their fly oh, as it just hovered above. That is cool. I'm like, dude, I would love doing that. I got to, I got to, do spot and stock trout fishing in Colorado when we were on a moose hunt. And that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. uh, you just sneak up. You don't want them to see your silhouette above the water. You just basically crawl up to the edge. Once you figure out where they're at and you just drop your line in six inches, boom, you'll catch them one after the next. Wow. And I mean, they were real small. We were up in the mountains and they were, you know, just 10 inches is like a big one. Okay. Where we okay. were at, but like they ate really well. You'd, you'd take them back, and, I mean, you'd have to have 15, 20 of them to make a decent meal for a few people. Yeah. But it was it was so cool, and then we did the same thing on a mountain goat hunt. Oh, but, really? But trying to, trying to learn different things like that, I find very intriguing, like going to new places, trying new things, because even bass fishing, we've got, we've got a pond that we hunt um, all the time for, for ducks and geese and stuff. Um, and in the summers, it's just a real quick drive out and you can go catch pretty nice bass on it Oh, awesome. and it's fun, but you do that like 12 days in a row and it's like, okay, I, I'm probably just catching the same bass every day. <laughs> like <laughs> I want to go try something new. And so I want to get, I want to get Josh up here, my brother, and we need to go out one night and do some sturgeon fishing below the dam. That's fun. I've never done it down there. I've seen people catch them, you know, five, six, seven footers. Um, I heard it's like reeling in a log. Oh yeah. They're huge. He, absolutely huge. He got into it when he first moved back here, he got into it pretty heavily and he sent me, he would send me pictures or call me and be like, dude, we caught like 12 of them in two hours. Wow. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And he would send me pictures and I mean, he's holding them with both hands and the head and the tail are still hanging a foot over <laughs> his arms. And I'm like, man, that seems, that seems like a lot of fun. I've never been up close to one i mean i've i've known about them and i mean i think i did a project on on sturgeon in high school but just trying new things like that i think would be cool all right guys i need to take a quick second to tell you about a product that i've been using for quite a while now it's called bull elk beard oil if you've spent any amount of time in the outdoors whether it's on the mountain in the marsh or in the woods you've felt the effects of the wind the sun and the cold on your face what this product does, it helps you look better, feel more confident, and it helps your beard keep its moisture. Not to mention, it smells great, so now my wife can't complain as much after I come home from a long week of elk hunting. Now I need to tell you, I've gotten to know Brian the founder over the past couple months, and he is an awesome guy. Brian made sure that all of these oils are made out of clean products right here in the USA. He also loves to give back to the outdoor community. Whether that's through fundraisers for public land acquisitions or even helping donate money to cover the surgery cost of duck dogs. He's an amazing guy and he makes an amazing product. So go check out bullelkbeardoil.com and be sure to check out the subscription options so that you don't have to run out of your favorite facial hair product. Plus, you can use the code NOMADIC and get 20% off your order. Yeah, it is. It is kind of cool, and it, it it breaks up a monotony monotony of, of doing different types of fishing. Um, I don't know. I guess I I yeah, that'd be cool to do it once for me, 
But other than that, I mean, it's not really a big thing. I, I just, I like to be able to go out, so, you know, like you're an avid hunter. Part of it is, is the hunt. That's yep. that the actual, the, the scouting, the, the finding the runs or, or whatever it is that you, that you look for. That's part of the fun. And part of the fun for me is all right, this spot isn't working. Let's try over there. That looks like it might be a good spot. And some people are like, well, how can you know that from above the water? Well, I don't know. You do it long enough. You kind of just you have a, figure it out. Yeah, you get a sense for it. Yeah. I mean, I like to get more into saltwater fishing. My wife and I went on our honeymoon um, down to Cocoa Beach, and we caught a couple of puffer fish. Do you know they have human teeth in the front of their face? Oh, no. Didn't yeah, know that. That'd be they're weird. not real human, but they're like enamel. Like, I'm not kidding. You could t- I tapped on it with the player because I didn't know what it was. Their teeth. Like, the two front teeth. That's weird. I didn't. Yeah, that that kind of freaked me out. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And then, you know, uh, my wife had caught a stingray. Well, I mean, I've, I've heard of people getting pretty jacked up from them. And it was just a little bitty guy. But I was afraid. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm man enough to admit I <laughs> my butthole puckered a little. Um, but I think you know part of it is seeing the other animals in their natural habitat. Um, we had where we were fishing down there. We had a manatee swim by. Oh, that's cool. Um, several dolphins swim by. We caught our bait and turned around and put it on our hook, like. I don't do that up here. I go to the store, yep. and I buy the bait, and then I make it happen. But I don't know, just something about that. Like, it made me feel like I worked more for it, or I did more. And then seeing some of the things that I'm certainly not accustomed to around here. Yeah. Um, uh, but up here, like, seeing some of the natural things that happen, you know, you'll see deer drinking uh, out of the side or, or you know, uh, off the shore. You'll hear the dogs barking or <laughs> you'll hear, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's just really, really cool. Yeah. I, I definitely like seeing different sights and experiencing other wildlife while I'm out there. And it's a chase too. Yeah. I really feel that that's a lot of it. Tomorrow we have an idea where we're going to go. We know we're going to, I've already got the hooks or the jigs tied on. Um, we still got to find them. Yeah. And that's part of it. Well, and, and that's cool though, to hear like, your excitement for honing your craft and becoming a better fisherman. And it's not just about catching the fish, but it's about learning and like figuring out where to go, what lures to use, when to go out and do it. Um, that's, that's super sweet. I think the coolest thing back to what you were saying about catching your own bait and then fishing with it. We were, we were in Alaska this year. I went with a couple guys and we're out in the middle of the ocean I mean, we're, I don't know, five to 10 miles out, oh, I would wow. guess. I mean, we're out there yeah. quite a ways. Um, and we're fishing on the bottom for rockfish, bling cod, halibut, all okay. these different fish. And we're sitting out there, and it's a pretty nice day out. And all of a sudden, it sounds like a tsunami. I mean, it sounds like rain just all over the place. And I'm like, what in the world is that? We're not getting wet. There's not a cloud that looks like it's raining. You know, you can tell in the yeah. distance if it's raining. Yeah. And we look over, and here it was a school of millions and millions of bait fish on the top. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking for hundreds of yards. These things are just jumping, and it literally sounds like rain. There's so many of them. Wow. And so he, our guide is freaking out. He's like, dude, I have seen this once in my life. He's like, you guys keep fishing the bottom where there's little fish, there's bigger fish. You might hook into something, but I'm going to start catching some of these things. <clears throat> and so he gets this deal set up, and it's got, I don't know, 15 different – no, it wasn't 15. It was probably a half a dozen little spoons on it. Looks like a tree, and he tosses that whole thing out there and pulls it in. And all of a sudden, he's like, oh, got like three on. And he's catching all these little bait yeah, fish. Yeah, I've seen them, yeah. And then he's like, oh, hold on. I'm going to try to get every hook filled. And so he just keeps pulling it, and all these other fish are coming and grabbing it. And he'll just pull them in, throws them in. He's like, dude, we're going to take these back, and we're going to use them for salmon. We're going to go troll that that channel for salmon. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing. Like, he is out here catching the bait fish while we're fishing for other stuff. And while, while he was doing that, 
we're actually catching like yellow eye or rockfish off the bottom. Yeah. I'm like, man, this is this is a cool deal. It is cool. I like we didn't really know you know, when they're when the species whatever you're catching in general, if you're catching it small and you're not from there, you really gotta be careful what you're using. You don't want to use something that you shouldn't be. Yeah. And there's this app that my stepson told me about. You can take a picture of something and essentially it'll tell you what it is. And so I catch a little fish, quick take a picture, okay, I can use it. And then what we do is we just I just hook it on the tiny hook I used to catch it, put it back in the water. And that way, you know, when the time came to use it, we had it. Yeah. Um yeah, we chartered a we chartered a boat. Uh we didn't do too well. It was a lot of little fish. The there was uh I from my understanding the weather wasn't all that great that day as far as, you know, to be able to catch the fish. Um, but when I was in the Navy, I had the opportunity to travel a lot. And so we were in the Gulf of Mexico, and there was like four of us. And we chartered a trip. And we would go out, and we caught uh, we caught a, it was a sail or a swordfish, one of the two. And we switched off reeling it in. I mean, mm-hmm. we were pretty hammered by the time we got it in. But that was a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, and it is huge. <laughs> I've never, like, I, you know, coming from Wisconsin, I'm, what, 18, 19, 20 years old. So I don't know shit about life. Yeah. And here we are. We're reeling in this giant fish. I mean, oh, that was cool. Yeah. It, here in the north, we're, we're not accustomed to long fights for fish oh no, no not at all i mean when i hear people talk about man i fought this fish for 45 minutes i'm like what no kidding yeah that's that's insane i mean i buy spools a yard of, of line at the store a thousand yards at a time and it'll last me for years oh, i don't yeah. need you know we don't have that that i guess issue i guess if you'd call it that yeah we when we were in alaska he told us, he's like, man, you get hooked into a big salmon out here in the ocean, they're going to run. And he's like, they might run a quarter mile before you even start to gain on them at all. Oh, that and I'm like, wait, awesome. what? And so, I mean, we've got basically what looks like a like a kettlebell yeah. on the end of uh, this line hooked to the side of the boat. And then you hook your you hook your actual line through that, and it brings it down to a certain depth. Oh yeah, and yeah. And so then it just—I mean, you know, whether it's fifteen feet or thirty-five feet, whatever that, whatever that depth is. Yeah. And and the poles are in holders on the back of the boat, and you're just watching the tips. And yeah. And all of a sudden, just the tip got one on. Just the tip. <laughs> <laughs> we, he's like, "We got one on. Who's taking it?" And I'm like, "I'm not hesitating. Like, I'm going. I'm, oh yeah, I'm taking this absolutely." Thing. And he would tell us based on how it ran, how fast it ran what kind of salmon it was no kidding and he'd be like dude this is a king guys we got a king on and i'm like oh my gosh and we'd start you know reeling and it was a fight man i mean we never did have like that 45 minute fight yeah but we're still talking you know 10 15 that's a lot under 20 minutes that's still a lot but you don't you can't let a pressure you can't give them slack you can't let a pressure you got to keep pushing forward He's like, you keep reeling, keep reeling. No matter what. And I'm just like, dude, I am, my forearms are spent, man. Sex life gone down the hill. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, geez, dude, this is insane. And then we get him in and it was the coolest thing. Um, My, my one buddy that I went with, he ended up catching a halibut. Oh, really? Off the bottom. Oh, wow. And it was a pretty good one. I want to say he thought it was like in the 75 pound range. Wow. And he's like, dude, we'll catch him up to 300 pounds. Oh, and I mean, a, a halibut is like a freaking stingray. Yeah. In the way that it looks and yeah. in the way that it swims almost. Yeah. And to pull something in sideways like that, dude, 300 pounds, watching no less. him reel that in like the look of excitement and terror on his face <laughs> all at once was amazing. Nice. And it was just a struggle. I mean, on the, on the. Down tip, he's reeling as hard as he can. He's lifting up, doing it again. And, I mean, you could tell he he was so – his forearms were so pumped out and his muscles were in so much pain, he could have thrown up by the end of getting that fish oh, I in the boat. And then I didn't realize he has, he has like, a boomstick for him. And, basically, it's like a charge on the end of a pole, 
And when he gets it close to the boat, he takes it and jabs it right where the brain is. And it basically shoots it in the head and kills it so that there's no more fight when he's trying to pull it in the boat. Wow. And they do it for certain species of fish or certain size fish so that you don't have to. Well, I mean, like the hook that you use for it, the, the lures that we were using even were probably like seven, eight inches long. Okay. With several hooks on it, and it's like, man, if that thing flips right here at the end, the amount of tension on that pole right now. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. that thing comes back at you. It's burying all the way into your skin. Oh, yeah. And he's like, and then they've got gaffs that they're hooking fish oh, with. Yeah. I'm like, dude, this is a whole different level, man. I know. <laughs> we have never, I mean, I've watched my dad fight a fish before, but it's like a couple minutes in, and you've got the fish in the boat, if it even lasts that long. Yeah. So, Yeah experiencing stuff like that is pretty sweet. Is there a certain type of fishing or a certain destination that is on your bucket list? Oh boy. Alaska. I think, I think just because of the, the vastness of what's there. Yeah. Um, just as a whole going to Alaska, but you know, the fishing it's man. I mean, I don't know what to say. I just, I just think that would be absolutely incredible to go that far out where you're not going to be able to see land you all you have is water around you yeah. kind of i'm sure it's kind of an eerie feeling that you experienced um but and then it's you and the fish that's it there's yep. nothing else it's you and the fish you make it or break it and i just i love that excitement there's only one other thing i love more than that and a short story is where we fish in altoona there's always this guy that'd be out there with this little boy he was probably five, six years old, and they had a real deep, uh, deep boat. And so, when the dad or the little boy would catch a fish, this little boy would just screech, and he was so happy, and it was the biggest fish he had ever caught. And dad, look at me! And to just to hear the genuine excitement of that little boy and how happy he was, I mean. That is the only thing I think that is better than going to Alaska, in my mind anyways, and and catching a trophy or just the whole experience is to have the next generation come up behind you yep. as fascinated and as passionate about your, you know, your hobby, your craft uh, as you are because that's what's going to keep all of it moving forward yeah. as technology advances, as science advances and expanding the fisheries and better regulations or when i say better not necessarily tighter just more conducive whatever that looks like yeah um it's that generation that's going to push it forward yep by then i'll be you know not caring i'll be too old yeah i i love getting new people involved in in the sports that i'm interested in and i like whether it's hunting or fishing the the best experience I've had with the kids so far fishing, uh, we were in Michigan visiting some friends, and our buddy was like, dude, we're going to go to a neighbor's pond. He's got tons of fish in it. We're just going to go catch a couple fish here and there. He's got, you know, bluegill, crappie, and bass in it. Yeah. So we're like, sweet, let's do it. We get over there, and we've got we've got a minion pole for Canyon and some other type of pole for <laughs> yeah. Ember, and then his yeah. kids have their own little poles, yeah. and he and I are actually fishing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and for them, we've got worms on and just tossing it out with bobbers, and we ended up getting a fish for every one of the kids. That's awesome. And when they reeled those suckers in, it was like Christmas. I mean, it was like... I got a fish. They're screaming across the pond to to <laughs> my wife, their mom, and like, mom, mom, I caught a fish. And she'd come running over. And it went from that to about five minutes later, they couldn't care less about holding a pole. And I look back, and they have not one, but two of the little blue buckets or dishes of worms on each other's heads. <laughs> literally the dirt and a pile of worms on their heads and i at first i was like you gotta be kidding me like that's all the worms and then i was like i'm not gonna correct them they're having fun and i hope they look back on this and remember that they were fishing with dad and absolutely love it and it makes them want to come back out again yeah absolutely and you know that's that's my happy place with my dad i mean he, 
he had uh, lost his battle with cancer seven years ago, a little over seven years ago now. And when I'm missing him or whatever, as, as any son you'd think would do, um, you know, just remembering those times that we spent fishing together. And my first walleye was like a 23-inch walleye, but it was fat as hell. I mean, this thing was just a hog. My first walleye, fat. Dad ended up mounting it for me. Now, was it a mountable walleye? No. But it was his oldest son's first walleye. I caught it by mistake. Certainly wasn't trying. Yeah. Um, but it's things like that in my life that I'll never, ever forget. Yep. And they're irreplaceable. Those moments are absolutely irreplaceable. And so I hope in any family that the generation, you know, after can have those same memories because they'll never forget them. Yeah. I remember fishing with my grandpa and catching a mud puppy and not knowing what it was. <laughs> and he stepped on its tail and he said, listen to a bark. <laughs> um, it just all kinds of different things. I mean, that's what we did. Can we go to grandma and grandpa's houseboat or grandma and grandpa's cabin so we can fish? Yeah. Yeah. And when, I mean, uh, a piece of advice for anybody getting new, new people, whether it's kids or adults into fishing, make it fun. If you take it too seriously, you're going to ruin it. And oh, yeah. and I know plenty of people who had those experiences, whether it's hunting or fishing. And it's like, man, I, I would get yelled at for not doing it a certain way or for for not reeling in right or a big fish got off the line and my dad got so mad at me because of it. And I'm just like, man, that those are the things that are going to keep people out yeah, of absolutely. the sport. I remember I there was one time my dad got legitimately upset with me and I look back on it and it's one of my favorite memories. Um, <laughs> but he <laughs> we were in Canada. We would do a fishing trip up in Canada um, every year. And this was a special trip because I got to go to this new cabin. It was a remote place up in the middle of nowhere. I'm talking like I'd have to ask him. It might not have been this long, but looking back, I'm thinking it was like eight hours down a dirt road. You know, you had to bring all the extra gas cans to finish the wow. trip up there and to make it back to civilization. I mean, we were on logging roads for, for hours. Wow. And and we got up there, and it was he and I in a boat, and we had a couple friends, uh, a couple other father-son pairs with us. And so it was me and my dad in the boat, and we're out there fishing. And he hooks into a muskie. And we saw this thing. I mean, it was... Everything's bigger in Canada. Gigantic. Oh, All dude, it looked huge. like a log, man. It really did. It was so big. And and it gets off. And, you know, he was, he was bummed out about it. A little while later, he hooks into this pike. And I don't, I don't know how wide the boat was. I'm guessing it was close to... It had to be 50 inches wide, maybe. Maybe a little bit bigger than that. And he hooks into this pike. And this pike was way longer than the boat was wide. Wow. And I'm like, this is the biggest thing I've ever seen. Like, fish that I've ever seen getting yeah. pulled in. Yeah. And he pulls it up. And he's like, get the net under it. And, I mean, we're talking nets that are like huge. Hula you put hoops. kids in them. Yeah. yeah. And I, I get the net underneath it. And he's like, all right, now lift into the boat. And I'm sitting there in awe as he's lifting and, and I'm not. holding, Eesh. and that fish snaps off the line, goes right through the bottom of that net, and he lost his mind. I mean, he was, it, it would have been probably the biggest fish that he had ever caught, that he had ever landed in a boat. Good job, Dan. Oh, yeah, that was 100% on me. I take full <laughs> responsibility for it. But also, I'm like, man, if you're fishing up here, if you're spending all this time and money in, in Canada, Buy why, a do you have a net? Net? why do you have a net that's busted out the bottom? Have you met your dad? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, we never did have the nicest gear, but... You don't have to, though. You don't have to. You definitely don't he, have to. He, he had it figured out, and we had a ton of ton of fun. But, yeah, that one, I, I guarantee he wishes he had a better net on that trip. So, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm wanting to do more fishing this year. I've definitely got more towards the hunting side of things. But just talking to people, we've got a trip planned down to Arkansas. We're going to go do some fly fishing down there. I That'd be fun. That'll be fun. I've never fished in Arkansas before, but, um, yeah, trying try new things. Yeah, yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people, I got to keep up with the Joneses with the equipment. And, you know, I'm 40, and um, this is the first time I've owned, I don't know, I have 
about a couple thousand dollars in rods and reels. I've never in my life owned that. I mean, but I worked and saved and did my thing. And um, some of the best memories, some of the biggest fish, I didn't catch on those rods and reels. Yep. I caught on the Zepco 33 Classic push button with a rod that could bring in a shark. Yeah. I mean, and that's how it all started. That's what got me going. And I am forever grateful. I mean, this is this is what I do. I don't do much else. I talk a lot of trash, work probably too much, but I fish in. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, most people, when you talk to them, uh, you know, everybody for the most part is fished at some point in time in their life. And they can relate to you. Yep. They can talk it. Um, I definitely do more open water than, than ice fishing just because I'm kind of a sissy like that, but <laughs> it's still fun. It is still fun to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we definitely need to plan some fishing trips. Get up, up here. Soon. I'll get you on the boat. Dude, perfect opportunity. So the listeners don't know this. I don't really talk about like family matters that much, but, uh, my dad just got engaged. Yes. The best man. And you I are? have... I have a bachelor party to plan, and what better for my dad than a fishing weekend? Fishing, a fishing weekend, and so we need to figure that out. We need to yeah, we do details because that's coming up. In yes. the, at the end of June, he's going to be getting married. Jeez, so, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. I, let me know. I'm there. Yeah, I'll bring think, I'll bring a stepson with, and we'll hit it and hit it like a ton of bricks. Yeah, I. <laughs> As we were talking about it, I started thinking about that, and I'm like, man, it would be so cool. Obviously, the pricing and the timing and everything just isn't going to work out for it right now, but I want to get him up to Alaska so bad. I want to get him up there to experience That's that. on my bucket list, and uh, I haven't talked to my wife, the boss, yet, but uh, I'd like to be able to do it in three years. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm hoping some of the prices in general drop. That'd be kind of nice. Um. But, yeah, I mean, man, that would be awesome. My listeners are probably getting sick of hearing about this, but I always ask people, like, what's your bucket list hunt or fishing trip that you want to go on? And I would say 90%, maybe 95% of them say Alaska. Yeah. I mean, whether it's for hunting or fishing. And I tell people all the time, get the Alaska Air credit card. I'm not sponsored by them, but it helped us out on two different trips now. If you get the Alaska Air credit card, put $1,000 on it, you know, pay your pay your mortgage, your rent, your car payments, whatever, and once you spend $1,000 on it, you get a free buddy ticket to go to Alaska round trip. So wow. the I think the stipulations are you have to fly with the person who has the card. Yeah. It has to be the same itinerary, but say you and you and Steph wanted to go up there. Oh. You would get half price on airfare. Wow! Yeah, for if you fly, you know, with Alaska. Yeah. So that's a cheaper way to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen tickets depending on what part of Alaska you want to go to under six hundred bucks round trip. That's not and bad. Then, and then with that deal, you get two of them. So yeah. three hundred bucks a pop round trip. That's not bad. No, that I'll take that absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, the other thing that I that I'd like to do is go with some sort of veterans organization yeah. uh, fishing. Um, there's not too many around where I'm at, but I've seen them on, you know, the different social medias or whatever. And the uh, um, it's kind of cool, like, how some of these boats are outfitted to help these warriors that are disabled in some form or fashion experience what, you know, what we're talking about today and, and, and share those events and, and talk about whatever it doesn't matter um but to have to i'd like to be i'd like to sometime go with sometime not started or anything like that i just you know we're all cut from the same cloth we all uh you know we all went through some stuff no matter good bad or indifferent it don't matter um but i think that'd be super awesome to be able to experience that my wife's a veteran too so It'd be it'd be really nice to be able to experience that that uh, opportunity sometime. Man, you gotta! I'm gonna send you an invite to a Facebook group. It's called Hunts for Heroes. Yeah, and it's the group that I went down to Texas with. Okay, and uh, veterans and first responder organization. 
and they put on hunts and trips um, for service members or first responders. Wow. And each each member or each um, service member or first responder gets a guest that doesn't necessarily have to be in the military, but just a personal guest of theirs. Yeah. And they're talking about expanding. Right now they're doing a – they do one Kentucky whitetail hunt a year and a Texas hog hunt a year. Okay. But they're wanting to start doing some fishing trips – like down in Florida, they want to do like python and alligator and iguana. They want to do all kinds of different stuff. And so that would just be an awesome deal for you to jump on. It's oh, totally, I, I mean, they, I, they, absolutely. once you're part of the Facebook group, they send out a message and they're like, hey, this is where we're, do, where we're going. This is the dates that we're doing it. Show up. We try to keep the cost down for the attendees as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like that'd be, that'd be a sweet I think that would be too. Uh, I, I'd like to see more more uh, organizations kind of expand like that. I say that as I'm not part of one or whatever, but I just think that I mean, there's nothing against hunting. I think hunting is absolutely amazing uh, from start to finish. It's just not my thing, yeah. and so I'd like to like to see more people get, lean more towards the the fishing side of it because it is so easy to do. Yeah, there's way less licenses. Um, and even even bringing a kid, like I said, I mean, that's really cool, and I, I'd really like to see more of that as a whole. Yeah, maybe. And it would and it would open up the it would open up more dialogue for fishing. Maybe it would get more people involved in helping protect the different fisheries that are out there, and helping expand you know different uh, species populations and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I think all of it plays a part, and you just got to start somewhere. Just pick a spot and start. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good word, man. And I, I think anytime you can get hooked up with an organization that, you know, gives back, like you said, to whatever conservation efforts or organizations, like if you're part of uh, a veterans organization that likes to hunt and fish and you guys as a collective give back to, you know, a trout fishery or you go and do a river cleanup or something like that, just giving back to the land. Yeah. Um, or, or improving the land that you're, that you're using. Um, it's cool to see a lot more people being conscious of that. Absolutely. It is absolutely. And even if they're cleaning up a, a trout stream or, or a shoreline somewhere that doesn't just help the fishery, it helps the entire area. Yeah. All the wildlife in that area. Um, even to this day, if you buy, like I'll buy pop and a little uh, bottles, uh, the six packs, I'll cut the holes yep. so that it doesn't get trapped some, you know, around some sort of, you know, wildlife. Yeah. I, my buddy did that in Colorado and I had never even seen that or heard of it, No, but I also don't, I mean, I don't remember the last time I bought a case of soda is and he, he did it. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like saving sea turtles, man. <laughs> and I just That's laughed. I immediately knew what he was doing. Yeah. I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I just, for some reason, hadn't ever thought of that. But Go sea turtles. Yeah. Go go sea turtles. Let's go catch one of those. Yeah. I think they are super endangered. Yeah, I think so. I think that, uh, yeah, I hope a game warden doesn't listen to this. Yeah. I, it was a His joke. name's Dan. <laughs> Dan Matthews. He lives in Missouri. Um, well, dude. His social security I, number is. <laughs> Uh, I had a ton of fun chatting, man. Absolutely. And Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Dude, we're going to have to do some trips coming up soon. And We'll get your dad out. Yeah, we'll get him out. I'll bring the equipment. We can do a, an overnight deal somewhere or a full weekend deal and uh, do some recording and hopefully eat some fresh fish while we're up there. That's right. And that is going to wrap it up for today's episode. I had a great time chatting with Alex. It's always fun to sit down and share hunting and fishing stories with him. And so um, I'm hoping soon to get up there and fish with him, like to get out in a boat, catch some fish. And I will be heading up there in June for my dad's wedding. So I'm going to plan a bachelor party up on a lake where we can go after some pike or walleye or muskie. I'm, who knows, Alex can fit, catch some bluegill, but maybe I'll use those as muskie bait. <laughs> He probably wouldn't appreciate that, but um, yeah, I just never get up there in the spring or summer. So hopefully I can do that. And I definitely want to try both fishing for, for sturgeon and spearing sturgeon. I think that would be amazing. And they're prehistoric looking. I've already got connections. I just need to make it happen. So hopefully here over the next year, 
I don't even know when the season is for all that. I know a lot of it happens in the winter, but with line. I'll look into it. I'll keep you guys updated and hopefully have a lot of cool stories and pictures to come from that. Now, I don't know what you guys are up to in the woods right now or on the water. If you're out fishing, uh, shed hunting, morels are going to be popping up fairly soon if they haven't already. Um, or you might just be gearing up for turkey season. Either way, I hope you're having a blast out there. It's such a cool time of year traveling to different states and seeing kind of the phase of spring that they're in. We came back to Missouri and it is gorgeous here right now. So I'm getting pumped for turkey season. I'm getting pumped for hikes and camping and all of that good stuff. I hope you guys are as well. And until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.